0: Hello and welcome to the ETOff21 Sports Podcast for September 28th. God, can you believe the month of September is almost over? It seems like time is flying. It just seems like a little while ago, God, we were in March and everything was standstill. Well, anyway, my name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF21 Sports. You can find my work at ETOF21 Sports on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. All my fantasy football rankings, my spreadsheet tracking, everything can be found on etoff21sports.com. I'm here. I'm transparent. I'm not trying to hide anything from anyone. My guys that pay for my service, they know what I, the work I put in. They know the grind I have. And I'm just here, low price, helping you guys try to cash tickets. Nothing makes me feel better than when I'm getting screenshots from guys that I send the DFS write-up to for the for how I am playing it and then cashing money. Me winning a bet, them tailing, cashing money. And I mean, for the people, I mean, I hate to bring this up again to say I'm a scammer. You look at my prices compared to everyone else's prices, they're the cheapest ones out there. The only reason I'm doing this is because the hacks out there were stealing my shit. And that's it. That's the only reason why I'm doing this. And when these little haters get to where I am, where with my gambling winnings, I, I own rental properties, and this is basically my main source of income, how I provide for myself and my family, then you can talk to me. But until you get to that level, I mean, you guys can stay out of my DMs, okay? I don't mean to be a dick, but just the aid is really, really hard. And also, real quick, Just a friendly reminder, do not buy points. Why do we not buy points when we bet? When we buy points when we bet, it increases our break-even point. And I'm seeing a lot of these novice bettors out here buy points. If you buy points, it's just raising up your ROI point, which makes it harder for you guys to break even. And that's what a lot of the novice bettors don't understand. So never buy points. Never, never, never buy points. Well, anyway, let's jump into it. It is Reaction Monday, and oh my God, what an educational Sunday it was. Let's dive right into it. The first game we're going to look at is the Atlanta Falcons versus the Chicago Bears, and oh my God, the Falcons were up 16 points. Another double-digit fourth-quarter lead blown by the Atlanta Falcons. What does this say? This says that Dan Quinn, I mean, he can't close a game. He's coaching a game not to lose instead of to win. And I said it way back when, when they lost that Super Bowl 28-3, that this Falcons team was never going to win it all, win a Super Bowl, get to the pinnacle of NFL with him as their coach. But he's a well-liked guy, so he's getting an extended opportunity. This guy needs to be gone. He has proven that he can't close in the NFL. And the two teams that he lost to, let's face it, they aren't that good. The Cowboys aren't that good this year. The Bears are the biggest... 3-0 3-0 bluff in the NFL. I will get to the Bears in a little bit. But the Falcons, oh my God, they they need to make a change ASAP because they're doing nothing but waste Matt Ryan's career. And it for those of you that are new to me, I'm not a dirt Cutter guy. Dirk Cutter completely blackballed Lovie Smith so he could get the coaching job. Everyone knows that. And I kind of feel like he's doing the same thing right now to Dan Quinn. When you watch them, when you watch Atlanta, Atlanta plays faster when they're ahead and slower when they're behind, which makes zero fucking sense to me. Zero sense to me. So I mean, obviously, Cutter's a dirt ball. He's trying to blackball the to get the coaching job. Okay? So obviously, Atlanta is totally due for another rebuild. Um, defense is notoriously awful. Um so, but since the defense is so awful. I, I send out these fantasy breakdowns to my guys, and I say every week we're going to have one skill player from the Falcons just because their defense is so fucking bad. Um, they had a big blow; Gage got hurt, obviously. Julio Jones got hurt, um, but those guys will be back next week. In terms of the Bears, I mean, the Bears. Oh my fucking god! Could the Bears be a bigger bluff? I mean, seriously, could the Bears be a bigger bluff? They're three and zero. They benched Mitch Trubisky. Nick Foles comes in, beats a depleted secondary. Offensive line is bad. Defense isn't that good. I mean, it's just, they're 3-0. Props to them, you know, you you beat the teams that are in front of you. But they're a soft 3-0. I mean, if this team wins six games, I would legitimately be shocked. And their offensive line is awful. This offensive line is one of the worst in the league. And Matt Nagy. Magnaghi's a stubborn old man, and he's going to get in his own way like he always does with this play calling and everything. Losing Trey Cohen obviously hurts because he's their gimmick. He's one of their best gimmick players, and that offense is very gimmicky. Um, and for those, let's not be surprised with the Foles transitioning to the starting quarterback because everything that the Bears did in the offseason was for Foles to be a quarterback. They brought in more tight ends. Trubisky doesn't throw to the tight end. Foles does. They brought in Bill Lazor, who has Lazor been the OC for. You know, they brought in all these pieces that are tied to full. So we can't act like, oh my God, blah, blah, blah. Everyone knew that it was only a matter of time and Trubisky was on bot. Trubisky was on borrowed time. And here's just food for thought. If Matt Nagy is quote unquote this offensive genius, why hasn't he been able to lift Tran- Trubisky up? Nobody in Chicago, nobody in the media will talk about that. If he's this great of a coach, why hasn't he been able to elevate Trubisky to that next level? Something to think about. I'm not a Matt Nagy guy. I don't think he's all that. I think he's a stubborn guy. He gets caught in his own ways. He's great the first part of the game, but the second half of the game, he gets in his own way. Um, The next game, oh my God. We lost the Rams plus the two at the Bills. Interesting game. I mean, Bills got up big. Everyone on Twitter was... Glamoring about how good this Bills team was, and then the Rams just slowly, you know, clawed their way back in. They were actually up 32 to 28 and a very controversial offensive pass interference was shown. And let's not get it twisted. I mean that ball that Allen threw was awful. Even if there was no PI, there is no way that Davis is going to be catching that ball. Everyone's like, oh he let him down. He let him down. He let him down. He got aided. I mean, that was not an offensive. P, that was not a defensive pi. That should have been a turnover and downs. I'm still not a Josh Allen quote unquote guy. Um, Rams had numerous injuries to their um, to their backfield. Obviously, I really think Akers is still going to be the guy there. I wasn't that impressed by Daryl Henderson as other as social media was. But the Rams the Rams have really impressed me. Rams look a lot better. Bills, I still think are are a bluff defense. I mean, you gave up. You're up that big, and you let the team claw back in, and then your quarterback needs a bailout call to win the game. Let's be honest here, people. We can't look at the record. This is why you guys need to watch the game to understand what is going on in the game. Um, Next game is the Browns against the Washington football team. Um, Washington definitely is playing faster. I definitely think they need to center the, the offense, the ground game, a little bit more around a little bit around Gibson more Gibson nine rushes forty nine yards uh, one TD. Why is he only getting nine rushes? He's averaging five point four yards a carry, and this is I'll say this all the time. This is one of the things that always constantly blows my mind. You got to go to hurry up. You got to pass the ball. If you're averaging over five yards a rush, why not just rush the ball more? You can go hurry up offense while running the ball. These coaches get so enameled with throwing the ball, pace, running, and everything. It makes zero sense to me. What you need to do is you need to put your team in a position to win. By doing that, you're going to run the ball if you're Washington. 5.4 yards a carry. Haskins is getting mauled by Miles Garrett. Let's just think here, Scott Turner. Let's just put our thinking caps on. This Washington team is playing better than I initially thought they would, and let's face it, that East is wide open. They could totally fuck around and win this son of a bitch, but they need to give the ball to Gibson more. In terms of Cleveland, I mean, Skifanski, I just don't, I, I really like this roster. The offensive line is great, but... Skafanski is just enabled by Kareem Hunt. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that Nick Chubb is a clear, better back than Kareem Hunt. And you're only giving Chubb the ball 19 times in the backfield, and you won by 14. So obviously, when you're running out the ball, running out the clock, he's not getting the ball. Chubb, 19 carries, 108 yards. He's averaging 5.7. 5.7 yards a rush, and he's only getting 19 touches. Kareem Hunt, 2.9 yards a rush. 2.9. Now, I understand if you're behind, Kareem Hunt is a better pass catching back. I get this. But this is a game they're clearly ahead in, and Chubb's on the sidelines when Hunt is in the game. I don't trust Kareem Hunt. I'm sorry. I don't trust Kareem Hunt. In my eyes, he is not as good as a pure runner as Nick Chubb is. And Skifansky, for whatever reason, is enabled with him and having him in the backfield. I mean, I just feel that until Skafanski figures out that Chubb is the workhorse, this team is going to underachieve. I was really high on this team. I thought they could make the playoffs, but I'm just not liking what I'm seeing. Maybe I overgrade Skafansky, but I'm just not seeing what I have what I thought I would from this Browns team. You have the best one of the best offensive line in the game. Pound the ball with the best running back in the game. It's a simple concept. It's a simple concept. Baker, under only 23 passes, this is they don't want Baker to throw over 25 if they want to win, because Baker has shown he's not that good of a quarterback. Shockingly, didn't I say that when he was drafted one overall, that he wasn't that good, and he was nothing but a game manager, and I got hated on? Hmm, interesting. Um, let's move on. Titans, 31. Vikings, 30. Um, Interesting game. Very interesting game. Titans are 3-0, and and They're behind the Bears as one of the biggest bluffs. I mean, you look at their wins. They beat a Vikings team that has absolutely no secondary, and offense has looked awful 30 to 31. They beat the Jags 33-30, and they beat the Broncos 16-14. So let's not get it twisted. Let's not get it twisted with these Titans. I know there are a lot of people's quote-unquote darling to repeat, but this team, the offensive line isn't as good as it was last year. The defense isn't as good as it was last year. And this team could easily be 0-3. Tannehill is not this superstar that is going to elevate a team to the next level. If he has the pieces around him, yeah, he's capable. But, I mean, are the pieces really around him? And who is the, if Lewan is out for an extended amount of time, this offensive line will decrease even more. Even more. And I told everyone to avoid Henry. Henry finally got into the touch, finally got into the end zone, scored two touchdowns. That's why I told you guys in fantasy to avoid Henry, just because he's a zero factor in PPR and you're relying on his touchdowns. And he finally got two, but still, in terms of fantasy scoring, he's way down there. So I would not touch. That's why I said to you guys not to touch Derrick Henry. Vikings, this isn't the Vikings team as old. Well. This defense is not gelling. And then it's a combination of having the young talent and the young talent missing the training camp and not having Zimmer being able to teach them and help them in their game. So obviously that's a big blow. The Vikings definitely are going to be one of the worst teams in the league, but you know, they'll be at the top end of the of the draft and be able to get a pick and take their team, elevate their team to the next level. The real interesting thing to me is hypothetically, let's say the Vikings have a top pick like a top three pick and Justin Fields is on the board do they take Justin Fields after paying Kirk Cousins all that money I'm not a Kirk Cousins guy I am not but obviously the Vikings someone in the Vikings for office does because they played him that much money so that's going to be interesting to see if the Vikings have a top pick do they take Justin Fields something to think about if you're a Vikings fan um the next game Patriots 36 to 20 over the radars and in one of my best fantasy calls ever one of my guys dm'd me hey i need a running back who should i go with he gave me the options i was like hey man take burkhead and oh my god did burkhead deliver three tds 49 yards rushing and 49 receiving seven catches unfortunately i did not play him in dfs wish i would have um But in DFS, I did cash on my 50-50, 50-50. Yeah, this is a a thing of a team being overvalued. And when you guys are betting, this is what you guys need to understand. Overvalued versus undervalued. Let's look at the Patriots. Patriots just lost a game on national TV. And the Raiders just won a game on national TV and beat beat the Saints. That is presumed to be one of the better teams in the league. So that line has that factored in. And you get Joe Public betters who are going to bet that. My take is you have a West Coast team traveling to the East Coast on a short week. They played the Monday night football game. Then they have to travel all the way East to Foxborough to play the Patriots. So, and I'm getting the Patriots minus the six. I mean, for me, that was an easy bet. Cam's Cam. Cam is Cam. McDaniel, what, blah, 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 Josh McDaniel, what he's doing is he's implemented the all-burn offense. So that Auburn offense that Cam used to run way back when, he's running now. And, I mean, it's working. And the Patriots-Bills game, I'm looking forward to. I still think the Patriots are going to be winning this division. I think top to bottom, the Patriots are a better team. In terms of the Raiders, a little bit of a bluff. They beat a Saints team that obviously isn't as good as people thought it was. And they beat a Panthers team, which has a lot of holes and a very young defense and a weak um offensive line. But I mean they just lost by 16. Now they're pl- facing the Bills at home next week. Okay, remember what I just talked about perceived value people? Perceived value. Just a hint, not going to tell you my plays. Um 49ers defeated the Giants 36 to 9. Um all right, let's face it. Giants suck. I really thought this team was going to be a lot better. I thought Garrett was going to be able to elevate Daniel Jones to that next level but he hasn't. And the fact that Daniel Jones hasn't elevated himself shows me that what I thought he could be and what he actually is are night and day. So the Giants right now are 0-3. Okay, the Giants right now are 0-3. And the thing is, what are they going to do at quarterback? The 0-3 teams are the Broncos, the Texans, the Jets, The Giants, Vikings, and Falcons. Okay, those are the 0-3 teams. So hypothetically, if the Giants have the top pick, are they taking Lawrence? I talked to my boy Sterling, a friend of the show, and he really thinks that they should take him. And from what I've seen from Daniel Jones, I think they should obviously take him too because Daniel Jones has not taken that step forward. He has regressed. And when a quarterback regresses, and he's a young quarterback, he's got to go. And unfortunately... Daniel Jones, you got to go. Um, obviously, the injury to, to Saquon really hurts them. And Garrett, oh my God, Garrett, I really thought this offense with him calling plays was going to click, but it just is not clicking at all whatsoever. You seriously have to question the play calling. Um, this is kind of the game the 49ers need. Defense is very beat up. No Garoppolo, no Mozart. I mean, it was 49ers are just the better team. But the 49ers are nowhere near the team that they were last year. Obviously, losing Buckner to the Colts, um, Bosa going down, really takes away that defensive line and getting the pressure to the quarterback. And if you can't get to the pressure to the quarterback, he's it allows him to go through the progressions more. And that's what's happening when they play these better teams. Not last week. God, not yesterday. God, no. But that's what happens when they play these better teams. Quarterbacks are allowed to go through their progressions. And dink and duck and, you know, move it down the field. So I'm not really high on this 49ers team, but, you know, credit where credit is due. They got it done. On the next game, the tie, 23-23, Bengals and Eagles. Um, Bengals are obviously going to get Joe Burrow killed. The fact that you are not rushing the ball with Joe Mixon more is amazing to me. Granted, I know he only had 49 yards and 2.9 carries, but Burrow can't, be dropping back that many times and just getting the living shit kicked out of him. You need to run the ball to save your quarterback and prolong his career. Case in point, look at what is happening with the Eagles. Wentz is getting the living shit kicked out of him when he was younger, and now he has injury problems. Now this year with the depleted offensive line, he looks like jack shit. He looks really, really bad. And i you can trace that back to the, the the offensive line and their lack of protecting him. And all those hits just add up. So if I'm the Bengals, i got to run the ball more and pound the ball more with Mixon, Bernard, whoever, just so that way Burrow can make it out of the season and we can prolong his career. I really like what I see from the kid. He is... I said he was the best quarterback in this class. I said he was the only quarterback that I saw as an elite-level talent. And he's proving that. But if your offensive line can't protect him, he's going to get the living shit kicked out of him. And unfortunately, I hate to say this, I hate to be a hater on Wentz, he'll be the next Carson Wentz. Um, In terms of the Eagles, they are a complete train wreck. Defense looks bad. Um... You know, I, they're going to have to change the way. It's, it needs to be a little bit more quick-hitting offense. I would try to give Sanders the sanders the ball. Sanders only got the ball 22 times. And I don't know if you, rem, you guys remember, I said Sanders is not going to be a 25-touch guy. And from what I'm seeing from the Eagles right now, if the Eagles have any shot, of turning this around and sneaking into the postseason, and the only reason they'd be able to do that is because the NFC East is so god-awful. Miles Sanders needs to be a 25-touch guy. He needs to be running the ball at least 20 times a game and then getting five pass targets. Because he's the only one on offense that is moving the needle for me. I haven't been that... I mean, granted, Ertz Ertz had a good game. Ertz is Ertz. But... You can't be successful in this league if your tight end is your top dog in the receiving game. You just can't be. So I, they need to kind of shift from the Peterson mentality, and they need to start giving the ball to Sanders way more than they actually are. Um, next game, Texans at Steelers. Um... For the love of Deshaun Watson, can Bill O'Brien just fucking go away? Can he just fucking go away? This guy has to be one of the worst coaches in the league, and I've gone on record numerous times. As soon as the Texans get Bill O'Brien out of the room, they are going to win a Super Bowl. Watson has it. Watson is good as fuck, people. He's good as fuck, but he has an inept coach who has front office control, dictating everything. Dictating everything. And he needs to go. Romeo Carell, how the fuck does he still have the job? Texans defense can't tackle it all. Their assignments are poor. They can't do simple... They just can't do simple defensive concepts in the NFL game. Um, I'm a little worried about the Steelers defense. The Steelers defense giving up 21 points. To this offense that hasn't looked too good kind of worries me just a little bit about the Steelers. Um, offensively for the Steelers, I mean James Connor, 109 yards, one TD. I mean, people, I don't mean to sound like Johnny know it all, but I told everyone after week one to calm down with the James Connor Benny Snell talk. One of my guys he messaged me, I was like, hey, keep Connor, you know, I'd go after Himes instead of Snell on the waiver wire. And I'll tell you, the Connors look good ever since that happened, averaging 6.1 uh, yards a uh, rush yesterday, buck 09, one TD, four catches for 40 yards. So Connor's definitely that guy. And what we need to remember is when the Steelers are clicking, even during the Bell years, the offense is kind of funneled through the running back, have it be in the rushing and receiving game and whatnot. So Connor is very liable going, the rest of the season. And if you guys don't have him, one game when he shits the bed, I would immediately try to trade for him. That's how much confidence I have in James Conner, and that's why I want James Conner on my team in fantasy. I got him in every team but one. One team I don't have Conner, and after week one I tried to trade for him. Dude wouldn't trade me, but I'm going to try. I'm going to keep trying, keep trying to get Conner. Ebron looked good. Cashed that little TD prop that we had. Um, Next game, Colts destroyed the Jets. 36-7. 36-7. Can we just please stop with the Sam Darnold talk? Like, just for the love of God, please just stop with the Sam Darnold talk. Everyone wants to elevate Sam Darnold to something he's not. He's an average quarterback. That's it. He's an average quarterback, and he's going to get benched by the time the season's over. That's it. And if the Jets have the top pick, what I would do is I would definitely take Lawrence. Because Lords is a better talent than Darnold, it's not that hard to understand. And anyone that sees Darnold, he can't. He he makes dumb throws in the coverage. He sees things. Everyone gets their dick hard for one or two throws every three games. Oh my God! Did you guys see that? Yeah, I saw that. But what about the thirty-five other throws? If you are an NFL quarterback. You don't make the same mistakes Sam Darnold is making. And Sam Darnold is not an elite NFL quarterback. Um, And then, don't get me started on Gaze. Oh my God, that guy is a train wreck and needs to go. In terms of the Colts, yeah, they ran the ball a little bit more. I still think they need to just ground and pound if they're going to be successful. They got the best offensive line in the game. You know, give, give the ball to Taylor and Hines. Taylor, 20 rushes a game. You know, Hines working in as a third down back. But seriously, I mean, if the Colts want to be successful, that's what they need to do. I was very high on this defense. Defense, I'll give the defense looked a lot better, but then again, it was against the Jets. Uh, You know, they had two sacks, three INTs. So the defense looked better, but. I still just can't get that image out of week one out of my league out of my head. I know it's a week to week week, to week week to week league people, but I mean, for this Colts team to reach as high as I want them to, as I thought they would reach, this defense still needs to take a little bit of a leap up. One of the surprises yesterday, Panthers went in and they beat the Chargers 21 to 16 to get Matt Rules first first victory. And I said it to all my guys, that when a team is 0-2, if you go 0-3 in the NFL, you're basically eliminated. So, this was going to be one of the best efforts from all the 0-3 teams. And Carolina gave their effort. Chargers, I mean, it's it's different when a defense has a whole week to prepare for a quarterback. And a defense had a whole week to prepare for Justin Herbert. Herbert, 35 for 49, 300. 330 yards, one INT, two sacks. Um, Eckler only 12 rushes for 59 yards. And the fact that the um, Panthers struggle so much against the run, I really thought him and Kelly would get more of a run. But that was another thing. Like The Chargers got down early, and they have made Herbert throw the ball more, which made zero sense to me. Again, if a team has a weakness and you can run the ball, why not just run the ball? The the game is to score, and if you could score and move the ball by running, just do that. It's not long division, people. And that really shocked me. I wasn't sold on this Chargers team to begin with. I really am not that high on Herbert coming out, and I wasn't that high on Eckler. And the fact that he only got 12 rushes and only 59 yards, it kind of cements that the way that the Chargers feel about Eckler is the same way I thought. You know, receiving back, but not like that workhorse that can get twenty-five carries. Um, Kelly only got eight carries. No idea what's going on there. So, Chargers really are what I thought they were—a good, a good defense, but a crappy offense. Obviously, losing Ingram is going to hurt this team. And I will give the Panthers credit—you know, losing McCaffrey and everything—they came out. Uh, Mike Davis, thirteen for forty-six, eight receptions. So I. That just kind of proves my point. If a running back is the foot, like Christian McCaffrey is the focal point of the Panthers offense. Take McCaffrey out, whoever's going in and in to there is still going to be the focal point. May not get as much productions, but I mean, in a PPR league, eight points receiving, that's 12. Davis got almost 17 points. So you guys need to understand that it's the system that makes the running back, and Carolina kind of proved that. Um, my boys, the Lions, Matty Stafford. 35th, 35th career, game-winning drive to give the Lions a 26-23 to 23 victory, first game in 335 days that the Lions have won, hallelujah, hallelujah, snaps an 11-game losing streak, Lions defense, Lions defense looked better, um, it got Murray to throw three INTs, um, you know, they, got, they had one sack, so the defense looked better, um, and Stafford is Stafford. I mean, he's going to put you in a position to win. Granted, he did th- overthrow a couple throws that he normally last year didn't make. I still think he has a little bit of a nagging back injury, but if this defense can just be competent, this offense is good enough to to, to compete. Um, But the bigger question mark to me is you... And I hated the DeAndre Swift pick. I hated that pick. I was adamant they needed to go with a pass rusher. Adamant they should have gone with a pass rusher. You waste a second, a high second-round pick. So basically, a first-round pick on a running back, and he had zero carries and one reception. What the fuck is that? You have zero pass rush, and you do that, and, and you don't pick a pass rusher. When there's pass rushers on the board at the beginning of the second round, to get a running back, you give one reception to. One reception. Makes zero sense. Obviously, AP, 22 rushes for 75 yards. AP's got to be the guy moving forward. If he's available in any of your fantasy leagues, that will be the guy I will take. Um, he looks great running the ball. You know, So... This Lions team, I'm telling you, this Lions team, if the defense can't compete, can be dangerous. Arizona, let's face it, Arizona was a little overvalued going into this game. They beat a San Francisco team in week one, which isn't the same San Francisco team. They beat a Washington team that isn't that good to begin with. So that 0-2 is kind of a bluff. Cardinals on defense still have some holes. Um, They still need to do a better job of just being able to stop the pass besides Peterson in general, and control the middle of the field. Offense, Murray looked good. But last year, when they were really clicking toward the end of the year, the offense funneled through Kenyon Drake. And if Drake is only getting 18 rushes a game, I really don't think this offense is going to be as good as it could be. I really think those carries need to be in the 20-25 to range. And then you can work in a little RPO's with murray but this team is still kind of figuring out and putting it together hopkins got damn 10 receptions 137 yards him and murray seem to be clicking and when those guys get more reps together that offense is even is going to take off more but like i said you just need to funnel in more Kenyon drake because that's when the offense has looked the best in the past uh Bucks 28 to 10. Oh my god, this Broncos team has so much talent. Locke got hurt, and it just looks bad. It, this team just looks bad. And Vic. Vic, 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 Vic. Vic Vangio is proving that, hey, some guys, he's like a North Turner. Some guys are just coordinators. This guy with all that talent is doing an awful job. And he's not. It, it's just it's just a bad job. I thought Shermer could have. Constructed a better offensive plan for them to um, protect Driscoll and get the ball out. It, it just looks poor. It just looks really, really poor. Um, Melvin Gordon, 8 rushes, 26 yards. Come on. Judy, 5 for 55. Hamler, 3 for 30. Driscoll, 17 for 30. 1 INT sacked 5 times, 1 passing touchdown. Uh, in terms of the Bucks. Again, I'm just not sold in this team. I'm just not. Defense is looking great. Offense, not so much. I mean, everyone's like, oh, look how many points Mike Evans had. Mike Evans had two catches for two yards and two TDs. That's what Mike Evans is now. Mike Evans is a guy they run um, wide receiver fades to in the end zone. That's it. And his fantasy value, and that's why I told you guys not to draft him, is insanely gowned. Godwin is obviously playing the Edelman role underneath in the slot, and the running game, I mean, Ronald Jones, 13 for 53, Fournette, 7 for 15, I mean, the running game, the offensive line doesn't look that good, Brady, for being 2-1, and one, this team is on my bluff list, I am going to continue fading this team, and I, I, I'm just not sold on them, I am not sold at all from what I saw from the Bucks' offense, defensively, they are looking better, though, um, now, let's get to the Cowboys Seahawks. Everyone on social media is jockeying Russell Wilson for that last second touchdown with a minute 47 seconds left and the Cowboys having three timeouts to give the Seahawks a 38 to 31 lead. Okay, so let's reset. So, the Seahawks were driving down um the score was 30 to 31. Seahawks score a touchdown with a minute 47 left and three timeouts. This is my issue with that touchdown. Why? Why are you calling that play? Anyone that knows football knows what you want to do in that situation is you don't want to give the team the other ball. You want to hold on to the ball as long as you can, kick the field goal to go up, and not give their offense another opportunity. Because let's face it, this isn't the Legion of Boom defense that we are all used to from the Seattle Seahawks. This defense is almost averaging giving up 500 yards per fucking game. And you're going to go ahead and score a touchdown with a minute 47 left and the Cowboys having three timeouts with all those offensive weapons? That was one of the most idiotic plays from yesterday that nobody, nobody is talking about. And it blows my mind that no one sees that and recognizes that. Yeah, the Seahawks won the game. whoopty fucking do They are lucky to win that game. Dak drove them down. Granted, he did a great job with no timeouts of avoiding the sack, but then he forced a throw in a double coverage. Dude, just airmail it. You have six seconds left and do another play. Dak tried to make a play. Seattle got insanely lucky to win that game, and that's another team that's 3-0. That is ins- on my bluff list. This team beat a Falcons team beat a Patriots team, and then just beat this Cowboys team. So, this team is a bluff. They're giving up 500 yards a game. Granted, Wilson's putting up insane numbers, but the only reason he's doing that is because the defense is so fucking bad. And the fact that Wilson threw that TD immediately makes me downgrade everything on this offense with just the lack of common sense. And, I mean, also I'm a little biased because for me and my guys, it totally crashed, crashed, are under 28 in the second half, which totally should have fucking hit. Um, now, let's reset. Let's go to the Cowboys. Ugh, dude, this team just makes way too many errors. And to be an NFL coach, you have to be a leader of men. A leader of men, okay? And has this team gotten better? No. This team still makes silly mistakes on defense. Silly mistakes. Offense... Isn't anywhere near where I thought it should be. Um, Elliot, 14 carries for 34 yards. I mean, come on, why is Elliot only catching the ball for 14? Yes, I know you were down in the second half, but that first half, you know, it was 16 15, I believe, at halftime. It was neck and neck. And he's only for the game having 14 carries. Um, Gallup, who I was high on going into the um, year, led them in receiving. You know, it it just seems to me this team has so many weapons that McCarthy's having a hard time game planning what weapon to use to take this team to the next level. And that was my big thing. When Sterling and I did our previews, I told everyone, hey, I don't know how much McCarthy is learning, how much McCarthy is understanding the game, how much McCarthy is using this downtime to better himself as a coach. And obviously, this hasn't happened because the Cowboys offense, even though it put up 31 points yesterday, isn't good. It put up 31 points and gets one of the worst defenses in the fucking league. So let's kind of pump the brakes on this and understand that this Cowboys team should be 0-3 because they should have lost to Atlanta if Atlanta just would have jumped on the onside kick and not choked. So let's kind of pump the brakes and sit back and realize this Cowboys team isn't that good. This Seahawks team isn't that good for as entertaining as it was. Oh my god. And the next game, the Packers are a shocking 3-0. I'm not gonna lie. I thought everything that happened in the offseason, this was just gonna be a colossal Rodgers and um LaFleur bunning heads. Obviously, through three games, they haven't. But let's let's be honest. When everything is going good, we as people. We're able, we're easier to get along with people. When there's a little bit of adversity, a little bit of adversity, that's when shit hits the fan, and you really see how people's true feelings about you are. So when that first bit of adversity happens, that's what I want to see. I wanna see how does Rogers react, how does LaFleur react. I mean, granted, through three weeks. Teams looking great, offense is looking great, defense is playing way better than I thought they would. But when I when they see that adversity, that's what I want to see happen. Um, and then the Saints, I mean, Jesus Christ, what is happening with the Saints? I mean, Drew Brees looks old, one, and I'm kind of pissing myself off. And I'll tell you guys why I'm pissing myself off. I have all these notes. Like, right now, I'm in my office. I have dry erase boards. I have fancy football notes. I have stuff to look at for next week, betting notes, horse racing notes. I have all these dry erase boards on a board, and I just jot shit down. So that way I can see it when I'm in my office where I do everything. And one of my notes is, aging quarterbacks check down to running backs. But when I made my preseason rankings and my wish list, I didn't want Camaro. I really didn't want Kamara, and the reason being is I don't want to take a first-round pick on a running back that's not going to get over 1,000 yards rushing, but with how big of a factor he's turning out to be in the receiving game, I mean, he had 13 receptions for 139 yards and two TDs. That's why I'm pissed off at myself. I should have recognized that. I I just didn't think Breeze would look this old. Um, defense just isn't looking this good. And that's another reason, like, everyone put the Saints on the pedestal and the Broncos, oh my God, they beat the Saints, they lost the Saints, that's okay. The Broncos, the, the Buccaneers. I mean, if you look at it, the Saints team hasn't really been that impressive. So, this that's why I kind of correlate that with other teams. I watch the games. I watch every game. Like I said, I have a service, cuts it down, so... Sunday night, when everyone's watching the Sunday night game, I'm just going through the games. I don't sleep at all. And that's why I'm able to see what is going on and put this stuff together for you guys. And that's why you have to put the big piece of the puzzle together when you watch these games and understand what is going on. Uh, We have an interesting game tonight. Ravens are currently laying three and a half. God, that number sucks. Um, Obviously, the public's going to be all over the Chiefs and over. I have not made a play in this game. I'm going to be diving into it. I'll be sending out some plays momentarily to my guys. Again, unfortunately, uh, memberships are booked right now. I don't like to take over 25 people onto my team, and that's what I'm have right now. I'm not one of these guys that does these overhyped specials and everything. I limit to what I have, keep it to what I have. That way I can service everyone, answer all their questions. So unfortunately, 25 members, that's all I have. That's all I will take. If Something opens up, I will for sure let you guys know. But right now, unfortunately, I am booked. Um, but my fantasy stuff, my ranking stuff is free. My waiver transactions of guys you guys should pick up are free. Um, if you're not following, make sure you please follow me at etoff21sports on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I will try to make a TikTok video. Um, you know, stay safe, be well, and I will see you guys on Saturday.